spirit god bless you i could say god bless you to brother ray for the worship but you all had something to do with that yeah amen. and you brought christ with you and god bless you for that amen we want to welcome you all here this morning i think we've got some visitors with us i don't see them all but uh, uh oh, i'm starting to pick out a few here and that so we want to welcome you and and just uh why don't you have your seats for a moment we've got a baby dedication this morning I want to remember our brother John Perizok. Um, uh, he's in ministering in Washington. He ministered yesterday for a youth meeting that was there, and uh, it's at Brother John Andy's assembly, and uh, he'll be ministering again there today. So we remember our brother, and then tonight we're looking forward to our brother Max ministering for us. So we've, we're looking forward to that next week. I believe is it next week or is it the week after you're going to Alaska? Two weeks, okay? All right. Well, God bless you. Um, yeah, so this morning we want to welcome you all. And, and like I said, there's some visitors with us. Uh, I believe I saw Sister Melody there, Sister Melody Stahl. Um, I think Sister Debbie and Sister Candice Gilmeister are here. Yes, we see them. Those are both grandparents for the, the baby dedication. Brother John there too. God bless you, Brother John. I'm sorry I missed you, but we welcome you. And I think... Is Sister Riddell here too? Is she here? There she is. God bless you. And uh, so that's, that's the great-grandmother for the baby dedication today. We've got um, Brother Ben and Sister Sonata Gilmeister here. Um, they, their roots actually, the family roots, go way back to Alberta when the Riddells were here. And uh, so they, they moved out to British Columbia, out to the coast, and then... From the coast, the last number of years, they've been living in inner British Columbia near uh, Princeton, I believe. But uh, Brother Ben and Sister Sonata, they've got uh, three boys. They've got Marcus and Judah, and they've got Bennett. And because of where they were, they hadn't had an opportunity to dedicate their youngest. Now, he's two years old already, so we don't know if we're going to call this a baby dedication. But, um, you know, not often do you remember your baby dedication. He has a good chance of remembering it this morning. <laughs> so I, I think that was part of the plan here. But we, we want to have them come forward and, and let's just sing a chorus. Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. 
Brother Ben and Sister Sonata have three boys, and boys will be boys. Isn't that right? One of them's got a cast in his arm. I don't know all the details, but it was pretty horrific a couple weeks back. But he looks like he's enjoying and milking the, the moment here right now. And that's, that's Brother uh, Judah, is that right? Okay. And then we've got Brother Bennett. So we're happy to have them here. We're happy that the grandparents could be here. So two sets of grandparents from, well, from, from British Columbia and one, one great-grandparent. I'm going to read this morning from the book of Luke. It'll be um, maybe just a little different direction. I'll take this, but Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And this is actually at the time that Jesus uh, came to the temple at eight days old. And uh, the parents brought him. So, and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 25, and behold, there was a man in, Simeon, in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So this morning, I, I wanted to just take this for a moment. We, I know we do a dedication here, and it's a dedication of a child, and, but it's also dedicating the parents. And God would not have put him or put him in your home without knowing that you would bring him up and bring him up in the right way. And this was this way even for Jesus. The parents were the ones that were also taking notice. God is doing something greater here than we as natural parents are. And so we don't know about Bennett and what he will be and what he will do, but God has placed him in your hands. And so we want to do the very best with what God's given it beyond natural life and all the things that boys do, which they're doing in your home and, and that. But we also want to recognize this is a seed of God that we want to bring him up and we have an obligation to bring him up in the right way. So the words that Simeon gave were words that related to the inheritance. Now this was Jesus and it was an angel that actually named Jesus, but the parents marveled at it. And so we don't know everything that God has for Bennett. Bennett actually means blessed one. He's blessed because he's got two older brothers to protect him, first of all. He's the youngest. He gets a little more preferential treatment. That always happens, Bennett, just so you know. Milk it for all it's worth. And then his second name is Albert, which means noble and bright. So there's an inheritance in the name. And so what we name our children has a great effect on what they are through that. So he's blessed, he's noble, he's bright, 
I mean, I know you're hoping that he becomes something that, that will do well for you in your latter years, right? That, that, that'll be a blessing. But above all, we want him to be blessed of God. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want to commit him to God. We want to pray for Bennett, and we want to just ask God's blessing on him. I want to read just a little bit more in this whole uh, dialogue here. Simeon, after he had uh, blessed or, or taken up the child, he then spoke to the mother and said, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many, and a sword will pierce your own soul at the thoughts of the heart. So he speaks also to the parents. And about that time, I won't read this all, but Anna comes in, and she was a, uh, um, a prophetess, and she comes in. She was also a widow, and she came at that instant and speaking of the child, and he says, this is the one that we're looking for, redemption in Israel. And the scripture says, now, God gave witness at the time of the birth of what this child would be. But now it says they went home, they returned to Galilee and their own city, Nazareth, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And the next scripture we hear is 12 years later when he comes to the temple. So in that time frame, part of what was prophesied and dedicated over the child, but also over the parents, there's a great responsibility. And I say, Brother Ben, that you have a great responsibility God has given you, and that is to bring your children up in the way of the Lord and to bring them to a place where they grow and they prosper. I know you've come here and you're going to a school where there's other believers, and these guys are just happy. Like, they're just, yeah, they're just nodding. Like, I wish the rest of the service would be like this, where people were just nodding and, and, and just happy with the word as it's coming forward. But God bless you. I, I appreciate having you here. I'm going to look for you the rest of the service here. Anyway, we're, we, we just want to recognize what a great responsibility. And to some degree, as our children grow, we have a great obligation to just teach them and nurture them, especially in this evil world that we live in. So... Part of this is being in fellowship. Part of this is in family devotion. Part of this is in school and upbringing and friends. And so we're going to dedicate Bennett today. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold him because I'm watching him squirm around quite a bit, but I'm going to lay my hands on him, do the very best I can. Bennett actually came to visit us a couple weeks ago. You don't remember that, do you? Uh, now, he's, now he's laughing. But anyway, we want to, we want to dedicate him this morning. And I'm, I'm going to just come, come down, and we're going to stand together. Do you want to come to me at all? No. no thank you. <laughs> you're, you're very good about... You're, you, there's no doubt in what you want. Yeah. We're going to lay hands on him, this family, this morning. Let's just come together. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, this morning as we stand here, and Lord, your eyes are upon the little children. We know that, Lord. They're, they're precious in your sight. You... You said that there's an angel that follows them. And Lord, that you even cautioned us, Lord, in how we would approach the children, lest we would grieve that angel. And Lord, I'm asking today, Lord, as we come and we fulfill your word, Lord, it was you that made time to dedicate the children. It was you, O Lord, that also were dedicated, fulfilling the law, but Lord, we're here dedicating Bennett today. 
we're wanting to just commit them fully in your hands, Lord. Father, I'm asking that there be an angel that would watch over him naturally, keep him from harm and keep him from danger, but Lord, also spiritually. I pray that you would protect him in this evil world that we live in. Lord, may you give the parents wisdom and grace, Lord, in their home and how they will spend time to nurture him and bring him up in the ways of God, but then, Lord, also in school and the friends he would have and the influences that come. I pray, O Lord, that you'd give him the heart, O Lord, as you yourself would have for Bennett, I pray. And then, Lord, I'm asking, Father, that as he would come of age, if time would permit, Lord, that his heart would turn to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning, I'm a poor substitute, but Lord, we're dedicating him into the hands of Jesus Christ. And we also dedicate Brother Ben and Sister Sonata this morning. Father, may your hand be upon this home. Lord, may it, O oh Lord, be a place of refuge. May the token be on it, O oh God. And I'm asking, Lord, in this time that we live in, as we commit Bennett to you today, Lord, we place him in your hands, and we ask these blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Do you want to shake my hand? Wow. We've come a long ways, haven't we? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, God bless you. God bless you, Brother Ben. Brother Ben is also the, the older brother of my son-in-law, Chris, and so uh, we, we welcome them. They're, they'll be attending church here, and so they wanted to do that this morning. It was good, good to be able to do that. I just want this morning uh, also just a couple of needs we remember, uh, and let's just stand together if we can. I would like to um, uh, just remember, I want to give you a little update on Brother Bob Combe. Brother Bob Combe is um, in the university hospital, and uh, on, on uh, Tuesday he was admitted to the hospital. Uh, there was some disorientation on his part, and they admitted him to the emergency, the hospital was full, and he waited in the emergency for a day and a half to two days, ambulance was waiting, he was waiting to see a doctor, finally he got a little bit of a private area in the emergency, but he's, they're needing to bring him upstairs into a little bit more care. Brother Bob uh, has been diagnosed as having suffered two strokes, and uh, Brother Bob is just a blessing to me. He is so faithful, he just comes to church and, and he, he appreciates the word. He serves in little ways, sings a song, he plays. He's 80 years old. And I've, I've often remarked, if I am as good a shape and look as good as you at 80, I'd be very happy. But we want to remember Brother Bob. I was able to be in the hospital with him on Friday night. The family brought me in. There's no visitors at this time yet. Um, and I, I just want to remember him. He was cognitively fairly good. He just quiet, but he's resting and trusting in the Lord. And so I, I just want you to remember him. We, we also remember our brother Jerry Fox, who's, who's recovering. But uh, let's, let's remember Brother Bob this morning. 
And then earlier this morning, I just received a notice from some of the ministers we're with, but Brother Donnie Reagan's daughter, Sister Erica Parker, we've been praying, is in a very serious state this morning. They have given her a heavy medication which they almost liken to comfort care. And uh, Brother Donnie and Sister Carol were called to her bedside. But there's nothing that's too difficult for God. And God is never too late. I believe it's a great testing hour. But our God is faithful. And I want this morning that we could just bind together as a church. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Brother Donnie somewhere, why don't you just enter in this morning for him? And I, I just want us to be remembering him. And I want to sing this morning. What are you playing, sister? Let's sing that. We're going to just sing this, and then uh, I, want, I want us to just then maybe if, if your spouse next to you, but just... Lay hands on one another as we pray this morning. I want us to be able just to enter in. We all have needs, friends. But there's a great high priest that's here. There's an angel that will stand between us and the sickness. And I'll say this, our rest is in Satan can do nothing unless he's been given permission to do so. And so we're resting and we're trusting on God this morning. Let's sing this before we pray. Father, our senses cannot declare what is in another dimension just now, but we believe that the angels of God are here. We believe that the God that 
formed the heavens and the earth, the God that came down on a mountain, thundering and quaking in the time of Israel, then later walked on earth and gave, became one of us, became a servant and loved man, saw that all that Adam had lost, so much so you couldn't stand it, and you became one of us, and you paid the price for all our sins. So this morning, Lord, we ask that you'd look at us through the blood. We ask, O oh God, for the full benefit of redemption. Lord, when you went to the cross, you didn't just go, and, but Lord, with stripes. And those stripes, 39 stripes, one for all the diseases, but you bore that in your body. You bore the disease of cancer. You bore the disease of colonitis and pancreatitis. And Lord, you bore those things in yourself and you destroyed the works of the enemy. So this morning we're claiming that, O oh God. And we're asking, Father, while we're gathered here and there's churches that are gathered around the world, Lord, right now in a hospital in Tennessee where Sister Erica is standing, Lord, where your servant is standing, we're asking, O oh God, that the angel would come down. Lord, stand between that sickness and our sister, O oh God. Father, we know that you do all things well. You're never too late. You're just in time. We believe your word, Lord. We don't believe that the circumstances will dictate what the doctors would say. But Lord, you have the final word. You have the final say. So this morning, Lord, we lift our hearts. We lift our voices. We join together, Lord, with this great body of Jesus Christ. And we're asking, oh God, may your presence come. May faith just take a hold. And Lord, may you receive glory out of this situation. Destroy the works of the enemy, oh God. Show that you are God in this last day. Father, we believe you. We trust in you. And Lord, today we also remember, even in our own midst, our brother Bob, such a faithful servant. Lord, there in the hospital today, Lord, I'm asking you. Lord, he was at peace when I visited him. He talked and, and he was thankful and he was calm. His family with him, Lord. I just want to thank you. And Lord, as he has stood for you, may you stand for him. Lord, may there be a healing. Father, may you use him for your glory. May also those loved ones that are around him see that the God of heaven, Lord, stands behind his people, O oh God. And may they also take faith, knowing that, Lord, you are our God and their God. Lord, we remember our brother Jerry Fox today. Lord, also he let us know that Sister Candace had a fall. And we want to remember her today. Lord, injuring her foot, her ankle, what it may be. But Lord, we place her in your hands. Lord, we have loved ones today. And we bring them all before you. Lord, asking you. Lord, it is time for the prodigals. It is time, O oh Lord, for the gathering in, O oh God. And we're asking, O oh Lord... 
May your spirit move in a greater way. Lord, we believe it is a season. Lord, when you're bringing everyone in, we're believing that this morning. Father, Lord, there's parents here. There are single, there are believers here waiting for spouses. But Lord, may you hear everyone. We believe the goodness of God is going to be better than it was in the beginning, at the very end. Now, Lord, as we place this service before you, we're asking, oh, Lord, take us. Take our hands. Take our voices. Lord, within us, we don't have the ability, but, Lord, if we can get out of the way, if the speaker can get out of the way, if the hearer can get out of the way, Lord, we believe that you will do greater than we can even ask. And, Lord, we're praying that this morning we commit this service into your hands now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's just sing one more time. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And all things are possible. Cause Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus is Thank you, Brother Ray. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to go to the Bible. We're going to read this morning from the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and we'll read a number of verses there, and we'll also read from Revelations chapter 4. God bless you. Good to be here this morning. This morning, I just ask your attention. Um, I, I want to try to convey some, some thoughts, and it's maybe not so much Tonight we've got the evangelist, let me just say it that way. So I'm not going to try to evangelize this morning, but I'd like you with some thoughts that have really been on my heart in the last week, and maybe even longer, but maybe it's been amplified with the events that are happening in Israel, and I want to just ask that you give me grace this morning. There's way more than I'd ever taken one service, so I'm trying to take this over a few services, already have been. But Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, I'm, I'm focusing a little bit on that, the inheritance, and I, I'll come to that in a bit, but let's just keep that in your mind. Verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And I, I, I don't know if we can rightfully give these words the emphasis that they need in this hour. We, we recognize the next number of verses 
are verses from verses 15 to, let's say, 20. Brother Branham spoke a message which he called one of the most important messages, which is Christ, the mystery of God revealed. And uh, he said, if you ever fail, come back to that tape. So I'm not going to focus on those, but if I can just take the continuity of these next verses, he's speaking about God and the fullness of the Godhead. Now if we just drop down to verse 21, and he says, And you who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If I can stop there for a moment. There's not one of us this week that didn't come short somewhere. That's from the pulpit right down. And if, if you did, you keep your halo over your head. But I, I would just say, if we measure by what we are in our humanity, we will always come short. But God is doing something greater if we can recognize that in the hour we live in. So he says now, he will present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church." Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of this glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, now look at how he sums it up. What is this mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Let's just read one verse, Revelations 4, Revelations 4, verse 1. This is, this is the verse at the end of seven church ages, the previous church age. Jesus was standing outside the door of the church. And he made a declaration, if any hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And he also granted to the overcomers of that age they would be able to sit with him in his throne. Now, it goes right to chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold... A door was opened, where? In heaven. A door was opened in heaven. In other words, it wasn't available before this time. Luther couldn't access it. Wesley couldn't. But it was opened in this time. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, 
and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. The book of Revelations is not a book that was just meant to be uh, left on the shelf forever. But it was left for a certain time, for a certain season, and it's a symbolic book, but it was going to be revealed by God, and he was going to use a prophet messenger to do it. But it wasn't going to be that prophet messenger in his wisdom, in his thinking, but it was going to be the Lamb, which was going to make the book real. And there was going to be a people that would need to hear what was going to be. Now this morning, I I want to speak on uh, just taking my text out of Revelations 4, things which must be, and if I can add to that, and even now are. And um, I, I may not get to all of this where I need to get to, but I, I want to just take this, and if you can, just stay with me. <coughs> so he says, come up hither, I will show you things which must be hereafter. Now, Brother Branham would speak a message near the end of his ministry, and he would speak this message, and it was called, Things That Are To Be. In fact, it was the second part of another message that he would speak, which was the rapture. And, and in the rapture message, and, and if I can just maybe skip a couple of scriptures, Brother Dan, I'm just going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but it's in the rapture message that Brother Branham uses an unusual text, unusual scripture to preach what's called the rapture and it's Psalms chapter 27. And, and it talks about when the enemies came up against me, they stumbled and fell. And, and they, they couldn't come up to me. And it was talking about David, and he's saying, And one thing have I desired, that I may dwell in your house forever. Now these are conditions that are existing simultaneously. In other words, there's going to be enemies around us. But we will also be hidden in a place that was going to be different than it was through seven church ages. And it was going to be a place that was really the ushering in of the millennium. Or the ushering in of eternal life. So, so I, I, I'll come to a scripture in a moment. But, but, just, but I want you to think about it. Where we really are. And, and I'm, I'm using this somewhat. I want you to think about where Israel is at right now. Because they have come out into their land and they are in their land. But, you know, as, as it was said, um, I think it was one of the senators that was visiting um, Golda Meir in 2015. And they were... U.S. Senators was, was saying to her, uh, you know, you, we're, we're going to help you, we're going to support you. And she said to him, we actually have a secret weapon. And he said, oh, what is that? 
we have no place to go but here. And I would say to some degree, friends, if God has called us out of the world, if God has called us out of denominational ages, we have no place to go but what God has given us. And therefore, we must move forward. And if we don't, if we become complacent, friends, God will use circumstances. He'll use pressures, but he'll use those that we show and declare what is really in us. And I will say, we have no place to go. There is no going back. There's only one place to go. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I want to just read this for a moment. And we we, we use this at funerals, but it is also speaking of a time to come that is not just a funeral time. So he would say, verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So now there's, there's a link that is here. Those that have gone in the grave before us, they, that we were alive and remain. Now the Lord's coming for those that are in the grave. They will rise first. There will be an appearing to many like it was in the days of Jesus. But it will also accumulate together where we which are alive and remain, they which have gone in the grave, they have waited for this hour. There's a group of people that will be alive and remain, and it's going to bring the two together. And in fact, in the, in, I think it's in what is the Holy Ghost series, and, and, and Brother Brandon will say, there'll be something so strong within this group of people that it will literally draw them from the grave. So it's saying something's got to happen here. Now we're not just laying dormant. We're not just waiting. But we are moving into something. And I'll say this morning, Israel is not laying dormant. Because if they stay where they're at, the enemy is making known what his intentions are to them. And I'll say this, we also recognize the, the, the abominations and and the atrocities, the evil that lays in the heart of man is becoming declared. And I, I'm going to say it this way, friends. We, we are seeing a little preview of what will be a three and a half year tribulation. And you do not want to be on the earth when that happens. And if, you, if you're thinking, well, you know what, it's just going to, I'm going to get pulled out at the last minute. I'll say this, if there's ever a time to be more deadly sincere, it's right now. We are, we are moving into something of which there is no end. There is no out. We can't go back. And, and we're moving forward. And the earth is moving forward. All the players are coming to their place. So he also would make this declaration. <coughs> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead which are in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And he says, to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, 
comfort one another with these words. Now, in the rapture message, Brother Branham would say this, and he says, he refers to the same scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. Three things happens. A shout, a voice, a trumpet. These have to happen before Jesus appears. Now he says, Jesus does all three of them as he is descending. And then he makes this declaration. A shout, what is the shout? It's the message going forth the living bread of life bringing forth the bride. So the shout is God bringing a bride. Now the third exodus, bringing a spiritual people out of a religious people, bringing the bride out of the church. Now I'm going to ask you this. What has brought you to where you are today? It was a shout. In other words, something has started. Jesus is descending. So there is a shout. There's an upcoming voice. And there's going to be a trumpet. Something has been set in motion that cannot be stopped. And I say this. The shout has separated us. But that doesn't mean we just stop there. Because there's a voice that must also arise. I will not get into that so much today. But it is a voice, and it's not just a voice from heaven, but it's a voice on earth. Now, I, I want to just use this also if I can, because, and, and I, really my focus to a great degree today is around what I call a very pivotal message that we have in this time. And that message is called the breach. And it is the period of time that exists between seven church ages and it's, it's in really typed out in Revelations 4 and verse 5. And, I, and Brother Branham said it's very important to understand. He, in fact, he says you need to understand where we are. Now, I, I'm going to also reference this which he mentions in the seals. Now time runs out, Revelations 10, 7, time should be no more. Now the, the calendar is still being turned, the clocks are still ticking, but time as we knew it is changing. It, it is being ushered into eternity, and that's actually a word Brother Branham uses. He says now, he says, Time will be no more. Everything runs out at the end of the seventh seal, at the end of the church age. It's the end of the trumpets. It's the end of the vials. It's the ushering in of the millennium. And, and he says now, I, there's more I could read here, but I just want to keep the focus. And he says now, how is he going to do it? That we don't know, but it's even time for all these things and the ushering in of the millennium. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to use just a natural example. But let's say you are called to a wedding. You've arrived at the church. Let's say the church is here. You're in the foyer. You've got the invitation. You've signed the guest book. 
And now you're standing at the door and you're waiting for the usher to bring you to your seat. Now, the usher, now I'm, I'm using a wedding because it's an appointed time. It's, it's you're not just navigating your own way, but you're being ushered. So between the time of the foyer to the time that you find your appointed place, there's a, there's a period of time that's happening. You're no longer just outside the door. You're in the door. But events are starting, and you're a part of it. The wedding is going to have a bride and a groom. Now, and I say this, right now the world is in, in a cycle that cannot be stopped. I, I, and, and Brother Man said, history is running out. It's running into thin water, as he would call it. He's saying, politics is running out. Economics is running out. And I'll say this, everyone is beginning to take their place. World leaders are taking their place. Nations are taking their place. Russia is a player. They're taking their place. The nations around Israel are taking their place. And I'll say this, even now, with the message we have received, there are others that have come in broadcast of it, maybe not seen it, maybe denied it, maybe don't want no part of it, but there's a people that are a part of it, they are taking their place. So now we're all taking our place. We don't know how it will all work, but we're in a time frame that is different where things cannot be stopped anymore. And if I can say that this morning, you can't remain neutral. You can't come here with an attitude. Well, and I, and I say this not disrespectfully, but I'm saying for our children, for our young people, for those that have grown up, you can't come here and say, well, I'm in the message. No, I, I'm sorry. It's going to take more than that. There has to be movement forward. And I would say it's not good enough. It's now it's not just a group move. Now it's an individual relationship between God and an individual. There's, there's really much I, I, I want to minister on here, and it won't be all today, so <coughs> allow yourself to go with me in this. So there's an ushering in. In other words, it's a dispensational change. In Colossians 1, Paul referred to his message as a period of time, it was a dispensation that was given to him, and he recognized it's a part, but it's not all of it. So a dispensation. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to, if you have an opportunity in the next weeks or so, and you can, can listen to the breach or read it or study it a bit, I, I really, there's some things here I want to take, and I'm not going to take it from just the standpoint of that message. I want to come at it from a couple of different ways. But when we think of dispensational change, it's a, a dispensation is strictly a period of time where God operates in a certain way. Now, what happens is sometimes in our thinking, especially if we're black and white thinkers, we, we, we will take a statement and we'll say, okay, Church ages are over. Now we're in the bride age, and we just, we think that's it. That's good enough. No, it isn't good enough. We can say we're in the Son of Man ministry, 
That's true, but he still is son of God. He still answers our prayers. He's still interceding for us. We can take messages, and then we can take quotations, and we can run with them if we're not careful. And we can say, well, he, he's, he's taking the book. Therefore, he's off the mercy seat. Be careful. Because if he's off the mercy seat, where is intercession for you? Where is intercession for me? There must be blood on the mercy seat. But I like the terminology Brother Branham uses. Now, you, you, you can watch this and you can see this in language that he, he speaks because sometimes the statements seem contradictory. He will make a statement saying the seventh seal hasn't been revealed. But it hasn't been revealed fully. But it's beginning to be revealed. And he'll say, all seven are revealed. But if, if you're not careful, depending on how you think, you'll apply human thinking to it. We just need to say, Lord, and, and Brother Brandon would say this before he ever preached the seals. He says, go back to God in simplicity. Now he says, be simple, be humble. Don't put your interpretation to anything. Just be a good Christian. God will make these things as they come more in season. And we are entering a season. Now, I, I don't certainly want to presume or venture without authority, but I want to just highlight things to you. And you'll find the language Brother Branham will use, and sometimes he'll be speaking, and he'll speak something, especially after the seals. He'll say, now, that's coming. And then he'll say, it's here already. And he'll say, it's past already. Because it's a period of time where events are happening. Now, there were some of us that weren't even born. So we, we walk through some of these things. And I don't want to make this confusing either. Now, so dispensation, let me use this. God came, Samuel anointed Saul to be king, Saul disobeyed God, and Samuel, when he disobeyed him, he says, God has rejected you, and Saul reached out as Samuel was going, and he rent, the king, he rent a part of the garment, and he said, as you've rent the garment, so has God rent the kingdom for you. Now, if you look at it, Saul continued to reign. Saul was still the king. David was anointed, and he was positionally coming into power, but it didn't happen all at once. And so, we, we, we can say denominational ages are over, but it doesn't mean that, that God doesn't still deal in a measure outside of the bride Maybe it's not in the way of the translation of the rapture, but he still deals. And he's also dealing with Israel. And, 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 and the two are coming together. And, and, I, and I'll say this, Israel is a timepiece to us. Israel is, if we can say it, we ought to be looking at Israel and saying, because Brother Man will make a statement, and, and if they're going to war, and I'm not saying this is it, but I'll say this, the wheels are turning quickly now. And, I, and you're, you're not going to, this, this ramp up that you're seeing, it's not going to retreat and just go back into a settled state again. But it's moving quickly. 
And he's saying, God cannot deal with Israel until the bride's taken out of the way. So that ought to say to me and say, listen, if it's, if it's ramping up there, where do I stand today? That's a good question for the minister. That's a good question for, for the church member for 30, 40 years. That's a question for the young person. Because once he turns to Israel, not one Gentile will be saved. Oh, I got lots of time, Brother Ed. No, we don't got lots of time. Today is the day of salvation. <coughs> so there's a carryover. Sometimes we, we put these slots in. Well, I've been justified because I've gone to the baptismal tank. And, and therefore, now I'm in the stage of sanctification. L let me just say this to you. Just being here in the tank isn't good enough. Just being sanctified is not good enough. Because without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're not going to be there. I'm just being brutally honest this morning. And that's not to condemn you, but that's to say, come a little higher. Don't stay where you're at. If you're not sure, you need to be sure. And it's not based on one evidence, but it's based on God identifying himself with you. So the scripture says, it doesn't say, and I'm talking about dispensations, it doesn't say, having been justified. Nowhere will you find that. But use these words, being justified. In other words, you'll go along, and this is how the enemy will work, you'll go along, you'll stumble, you'll fall, you'll feel condemned, you'll think I'm lost, that's it, I'm done. No, the Bible says, being justified. I go back and I say, Lord, I fell, try me one more time. But I'm still being justified. I'm still being sanctified. And if I've got the Holy Ghost, there's a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Don't sell yourself short on anything. The enemy will, his power is in deceit. His power is when he gets you to look at your flesh and your works and what you've done, but there's a greater representation that we need to focus on. This will be a, another service. Now, I'll leave it, but you have a conscious and you have a subconscious. And sometimes our conscious, our outside words, we, we use words, well, we reason it. I'm in the message. I attend church. I pay my tithes. Therefore, I'm good. But underneath here, there's doubt. There's questions. There's wondering. Am I really saved? You need to settle those. Listen, I, I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I'm just saying, we need to settle those, friends. If, 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 and whatever you do, you can, you, you can have underlying, besetting sins, and they can move you subconsciously in certain directions. And they can do that. And, and you can justify it up here, but you know it's moving you. I say this, allow, your, allow these two to start to align more. Allow it to be beyond just a church and so up on Sunday. Allow it to be an everyday thought life. Allow it to be an everyday part of your life. Why? Because the time is too late. The enemy that is on earth today and God knew the enemy would be here. In fact, at a certain season, 
power was given to the enemy. I'm not going to go to those scriptures today. But at a certain season, there was a release of 200,000 demons. And we can view that completely negatively. And we saw what it did in a natural form in the Holocaust, in the persecution of the Jews. And we see what it did to not just men, but women and children. It was for a complete annihilation. Now that's a natural, but I'm saying those demons are against me, against you, against your family. And that's why sometimes he'll come at you in such a way you, you'll hardly wonder if I'm saved. Friends, I, 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 I just say this. We need to live a life before God. Be in a relationship. Be in prayer. Don't allow lukewarmness because that's where the enemy will work. He'll say, he'll, he'll, he's shrewd. He's cunning. He knows me. He knows my weaknesses. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses. I say this. Hey, the enemy's going to be around us. Israel's living with the enemy all around them. I, I, should, I should read you this. This last week I've been in touch with Brother Jason DeMars. He was, he was in Israel and uh, just earlier this year, he's in contact. There's some believers in Israel and uh, they're all, by last account, they're safe, but they're living in a way that they've never lived before. And this, this is a testimony of, um, there's a church there, a brother, um, a pastor is a brother, Colin is his name, but his wife is sharing this with brother Jason's wife, whom they met. These are her words. I can't express how deeply and quickly this war is affecting my spirit. And now she says this. Thank the Lord. It's positively. As a new young mother whose entire heart and soul is wrapped up in my children, the terrorism of this war has challenged my spirit at the depths of my soul as I am aware of what could happen. But for my sake, for the sake of my children and out of love for them, I simply don't allow myself to become afraid, even though in the evenings it feels like absolute dread surrounds me on both sides. It reminds me of Psalms 91. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000, but it will not come near you. What was the place that David was speaking of in Psalms 27? It wasn't in a message church. It wasn't in a tabernacle, but it was in a place with God. This sister would write more than I'm going to read here today. I'm experiencing over and over when these moments when fear stands on my left and right, it's then the Spirit of the Lord holds me. I'm not able to yield to it. I tell you, I've never witnessed my own self turn away from fear like that. And over and over again, it's the work of God, praise the Lord, the faithful one, Jesus Christ. I, I was, I've had 
quotations for, for a long time. But Brother Branham would say from even the early years of his ministry, and he would talk about how the church is coming together. He said, there's coming a time something is going to take place. The Spirit of the living God fall fresh on his church. I hear the sound in the mulberry bush. Something spoke to my heart and said, fear not, preacher. That'll be one of these days they'll believe. He said, it may take persecution and things to drive us together, but God will drive his church together just as certain as I'm standing in this pulpit. I, I want to be in a position where I'm not holding aught against a brother or a sister in any way. I don't want my, I want my attitude to be correct. In a message, the angel of God, he says, I believe there'll be a time when there won't be any more division among the people of God. I belong to this church or that church. I believe the persecution will run all the big ransomed church of God together and we'll be one in Christ Jesus. Israel had been going through several years of judicial reform. There was division in the country like never before. And in the blink of an eye, they're uniting. Now, I, I, I just say, friends, I want to make provision ahead of time. Let me, let me read one more. This is in the message, The Angel of the Lord. He says, Revelations 13, a lamb rose, civil and ecclesiastical power, freedom of religion, but after a while this lamb spoke like a beast. The lamb that, that he's referring to is the United States. It's, it's Revelations 13. He's saying the lamb spoke like a beast, like the dragon. He exercised all the power of the dragon did before him. Now there's an image to the beast here too. He says, a bitter religious persecution. I, I, just need, I just wanted to make this a little more real. These are not things that are far off anymore. Your children are going to schools, if it's a public school system, where there's a great debate on nouns and pronouns. Is it a he or is it a she? We don't want to use those words. I mean, are we really gone to this place? Is that what we want? And you know what? It's starting to rise up. People are saying, no, I don't want that. And that's just good common sense. But you know what? We'll never be able to turn it according to prophecy. It's going that way. But I believe we have a right to hold our ground on what we stand in. As Israel said, we have a secret weapon. We have no place to go. <coughs> we have only one place. This is the message, the land we've come into. Now, that, that, that's among politicians and educators, there is a level. I, I, it is horrific. We can't even speak of some of these things. But it is horrific where we're living. And I'm saying, don't let me be lulled to sleep. Don't let me just continue and wait for something. We got a part to play. We're being ushered in. We're a part of it. Now, there's other players, not just sitting in their seats, but we're a part of the marriage of the Lamb, if you're being ushered in. 
So these things are happening. Now I, I want, and I'll, I'm going to bring this into a little bit more of a thought. But here Brother Branham will just say this, if I can now just go back to the thought. He's saying, in the angel of the Lord, and he's talking about it, a bitter religious persecution. Remember, church, 1951. You are living in the best day you'll ever live in right now until Jesus comes. It will gradually, not just gradually, he says, but rapidly get worse and worse. Now, you can, you can throw up your hands and say, oh, when is this? But I believe God has not left us powerless. If a mother in Israel can have peace in the midst of all of that, I believe it is also our portion. I believe we can rest assured that the angels of God are encamped about us. I believe we can entrust our children to that. I believe we can entrust our lives to that. I believe we need to know that we know that we know that. It is not a far off, friends. It is here. And then he makes this statement, right part of the same thing. It will rapidly get worse and worse when Russia goes down there to get that oil, look out. That's all she needs. That's what the prophet said it would do, and we're ready for it then. Anyway, I, I, I just, this is not to put fear. This is, this is to say, let's just shake ourselves a little bit. Let's, let's awaken a little bit more. Let's not just come Sunday, okay, heightened, alert. Now, Monday, just relax. No, let's, Let's bring this into our thinking. Let's bring this into our families, into, into where we set our minds and, and, and to what the subconscious is leading us. Let's not sit on the fence. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm not sure if I got the Holy Ghost. Don't leave it to chance. I, 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 I'm, I'm trusting that this is coming out the right way for you. Not the wrong way, but the right way. So being justified, sanctified, the Holy Ghost, all these things. I, 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 I could take much, much, much more on this. But I want to turn to the book of Ruth. And uh, a couple weeks ago when I was ministering, I, I took this service. And I want to bring it back to that. And, and really it was, um, he will tell thee what to do. But I want to just take this, the book of Ruth, and... Part of the reason I'm doing this is there's a type here that is, I think, maybe more identifiable to us, and I'd like to bring it to that, but even Brother Branham brought it to that. Now, if you take the thought of Ruth and Boaz, and you search the message out, you will find Boaz is mentioned in the message 69 times. 58 of those are up to 1963. So he is bringing this. It's pointing to something. It's pointing to something. Now he comes to the breach, and he brings together in the breach Ruth and Boaz as a type of where the breach is at. Then he only mentions it one more time in 1964 and one more time in 1965. So in other words, there's something here about where we're really at. Is that all right? Just, just, just allow this to think through. Let's go to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. 
And we're going to, to read this. I, I wrote it down for you, Brother Dan, and then I, I believe I wanted to read from... Okay, verse, let's take Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. Now, I, I, I want you just to take... I don't want to rehearse everything we went through. But Ruth is a Gentile. She has come under something that she doesn't even realize the impact of what she's doing. Now, it it really was the grace of God that came to Ruth because she had a husband. The husband was part of of an Israelite family. She had a sister-in-law who also had a husband that was part of a family. But Ruth made a decision in chapter 1 that set her on a course. Now, she doesn't maybe even know why she did that, but I believe God, if if I can just give you a bit more of a picture, Boaz was actually in the lineage of Judah, and Boaz came out of Jesse and Samuel and Obed, and then there's Boaz. They all came. Now, the lineage of the Savior was going to come through that, but in that lineage, God was going to type things. And, And the breach is really the kinsman redeemer coming to lay claim to what was in his book, which was a bride. So when he took the book, he didn't just take a book up there, but he took a book that had names in it, and our names were in there, and we are being claimed, if we can recognize it. So here, we've all come, wherever you've come from, under the sound of the message, something spoke to me, something spoke to you, at a certain season, God made it real. And you were ushered, and before you know it, you're in the land of Judah, now you're, 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 you're just in poverty, but you're gleaning and you find yourself in a field. And you didn't know what that field was. And Ruth is a gleaner. Listen, she had no idea that this was her future. Right there, just when she's gleaning. Just like Rebecca didn't know her future was in watering those camels. You didn't know your future may have lied when, when you were born into your home and you came into what was called the message. You, maybe you were like me as a child. I, I thought, why am I born in this strange home? I mean, look at all my friends get to do all these things and we've got this to do. Like we go to church, we do this. Listen, I'm being honest. My brother's there. He would say the same thing. He says, we were born in that home. There was times I thought, that's strange. But you know what? It never leaves you. And God put something there, and you recognize, wait a minute, this is way bigger than I ever thought it was. God, God worked in my grandmother, in my great-grandmother, in my mother. I'm here for a purpose. I'm not here by accident. That was God that was doing all of that. So now here's, here's Ruth. She's in this field. But now I want you to think about, I, I loved the service on Wednesday when Brother Danny came And he focused on King David and David's needs and desires for a drink of water. But I want you to think about what Boaz's needs were. 
Because Boaz was not married, and he was an elder gentleman. And he was in the lineage, but he didn't have anybody, and all he had was a field, and somebody walked into this field one day. And now Boaz is noting this. Now let's just take verse 11. This is Boaz talking to Ruth. (coughs) Christ talking to a bride. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It has been fully showed me all you have done unto your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you've left your father and your mother and the land of thy nativity, and you are come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. In other words, I'm noticing your character. Rebecca's character came through when, when, she, when she watered those beasts that would eventually take her home. Ruth's character came. Somewhere God's got to take notice how your attitude is to the Word, how it is to the things of God, how, how, how there's, a, there's a, a, a circumspect attitude. I'll tell you what, God's not, God's not just picking anyone. But He knows if you're that, he, He'll allow your character to be tested. Oh my. He says now, Verse 12, the Lord recompense thy work. A full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now she's hearing these words for the first time. You're not just, in other words, you're not just in any old field. You're under the field of the Lord God of Israel. This is what you're trusting in. Listen, we got no place to go back to. I I don't want to go to any other field. Now listen to what he says. And she answers him, Lord, let me find favor in thy sight, for you've comforted me. You spoke friendly to her, to me. And, and, and Boaz would go on to say at mealtime, in verse 14, I'm, I'm skipping over some of this, and he says, dip your morsel in the vinegar, sit beside the reapers, and then after she's out of earshot, he tells, the, he tells them, throw a little extra her way. Give her, give her some extra sheaves. Let handfuls of purpose be upon her. That was the grace of God. You come out and, and God will bring somebody in your way and, and he'll just pour out a little bit of grace and pour just to encourage you along the way. Because we could not lift ourselves out of what it was. But he came to me. He came down to me. And he still comes to me. Now I really wanted to, to get, 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 so he's, he's speaking to her in, in these wor- verses. And this is, actually if you take it in verse Eight is where he started, but I, I just picked it up from verse 11. And he tells her, anyway, he tells her, don't glean in any other fields. You know, when we came to this message, it, it was a field of redemption. It, it is not, this is not just another addition to another move. It's, it's not Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, message. It's not another move. This is all of that wrapped in one. It's redemption. It is not just another move where we got different rules, a little higher standard. We need to throw that out the window. This is a season that Paul foresaw. This is a season that God foresaw, that he was going to bring a bride. I'm I'm, going to just bring it this way. We took this in, in a, on a Wednesday night subject about 
that holy place, the womb that God cares for. Now, when God, in Genesis 1, in Genesis 1, when God saw Israel, saw, saw the earth, it was cold, without form, dark and void. He began to make love to it. And, and the prophet would say, why did he do that? Because there were seeds that were already planted in the earth and they needed to come forward. The seeds were already there. They were planted. So when God said, let there be, and he would say, of the earth, let the earth bring forth. Why? There were seeds there already. Let the waters bring forth. There were seeds there already. But that didn't apply to man. Somebody told man, he says, and, and, he, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. So now Satan comes, and he comes to the earth, and he sees there are seeds sown there. There are seeds sown there. But now he comes to the woman, and he sees it's an empty field. There's no seed sown yet. And he seizes an opportunity. Now, just, just hang with me a little bit. So there was a field that was due to bring forth life, but the enemy injected himself into that. I, there, I won't finish this thought today, but I just, I just dropping that in. Now Boaz, in order to bring forth Adam, in order to reproduce himself, needed a field. Boaz also needed a field. And, and here, is, here is Ruth, she comes into his field not knowing she would become the field that would bring forth life. But here, here, is, here is Boaz, he, he speaks to her, he tells her these things. I mean, I, I want you just to think for a moment here. She is, she's gone through heartbreak. She's lost her husband. Okay. Just, just I, I feel like I'm jumping and I need to just, let me drop just a couple of thoughts in. <coughs> She's gone through heartbreak. She's trying to eke out a living. She happens in this field and she comes into this field and he says, don't go into any other fields. She didn't know that the seeds that she was picking up were seeds that others had a chance at, but they bypassed it. But to her, these seeds meant something. The, the, these handfuls on purpose were, were given there by God, by God or the Lord of the harvest, which was Boaz. Now, now just think of that. Now, here, here it comes. Now, I, I want you to look at your own walk. It's easy for us to think, well, Jesus died for me, and therefore, I need to live right and I need to do it. But in the plan of redemption, we're beyond that. Okay, Romans chapter 7. I, I need to use this. Romans 7, if you will, real quick. <coughs> Paul is speaking, and he actually, Brother Branham, uses this in the invisible union. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he liveth, for the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed 
from the law of her husband. So then, while her husband liveth, if she be married to another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband is dead, she is free from that law. She is not an adulteress. She can be married to another man. Now, I, I want you to look at this as, as a redemptive act. And redemption is not just Jesus died for me and I got to perform up to what he did for me. No, actually, he does it all. All of redemption is his. In other words, her heartbreak of a man, of her husband dying, he had to die in order that she could marry Boaz. That, that she could obtain a redemption in the right channel. And I would say this, we have to die to our thinking of what denominations were in order that we can be made alive by our husband, which is Jesus Christ. Now, let's just follow this through. Wherefore, my brethren, you are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Now, let me just say it this way. Jesus, when he was on earth, he was not married. He was in a form where he was going to give himself for his bride. Now, Paul says, you are become dead to the law by the, by the body of Christ that you should be married to another even to him that is raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit to God. So you're not just marrying the Jesus that was on the earth but you're marrying the resurrected Jesus the one that was alive for seven church ages the one that is here in the end time the one that's desiring a bride that's the one we're marrying. The resurrected Jesus. The one who has the power to raise up the life within our field and bring forth more life unto him. So we're not marrying the old Jesus. And I don't want to make a difference, but the Jesus that walked on earth. But now he's in another form. He's, he's in the full power of the resurrection. Ruth had no idea what she did when she walked out with Naomi. What she did when she walked into that field. But she had an inheritance. And sometimes we don't recognize or we don't seize everything we have because we don't see it as our right or as our inheritance or a part of what God has always given us. We just say, well, you know, the ministry can live higher. The, the, the elders can live higher. Mom, no, it's actually for every one of us to say, my inheritance was in Boaz, was in Christ, was in the power to resurrect me from a dead life, from just a church life, to being made alive where I myself have become the field that God has sowed in that the enemy can no longer get in. But we have to die to our thinking. Let me just go a little further back to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 2 verse 22. Now, Ruth comes home and Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, 
It is good, my daughter, that you go out with these maidens, that they meet thee, not in any other field. But, so he, she's reaffirming what Boaz said. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. We saw, we saw that when we took the diagram of the feast, the, the Passover feast was representing the barley harvest. The Pentecostal feast represents the wheat harvest. And there's a period of two months that are in there, seven weeks that are in there. So she was here all that time. Now, if you want to look at it this way, she has found herself in a breach. She is not yet part of Boaz, but he is, there's something happening that's a secret to all the gleaners, that's a secret to all of Israel and all of Judah. There's something happening. Now, I want you to think, she came from a strange land. She came from a land of the Moabites. She didn't know about the Israelite traditions, but who does she go to? She goes to Naomi who is a type of the old law, and Jesus, God does never change his pattern. So denominational ages, there was a reformation, but it needed to go beyond that, and it needs for us to go beyond what we can do, beyond what we can manufacture, to what he is doing, and accepting what he is doing, and in this day, I'm accepting what he's doing. Oh yeah, the enemy's all around, but I know he walks with me. I I know there's sickness, I know there's challenges, but I know I'm coming to something. I know that if I stay in my place, if I stay in my position, that he will take care of me. If I remain faithful to what he is telling me. I don't need to go to another field. I don't need to try to work up a part-time job somewhere else. I'll stay where he is. He is my provider. So she goes back to the law. I really find it interesting. Brother Branham would talk about it in the seals. And he he doesn't go to New Testament types. He goes to Old Testament types. And in fact, he says, the messenger in this last message will sow the seeds of the entire Bible. Genesis. He will sow it right down to Revelation. He will bring together all of these seeds. And I'm I'm really not going to go into this today. But... You know, spoken word is the original seed. There's three seeds that's been sown. There's, there's been denominational seeds, Pentecostal seeds, and he said, and the word has been sown. And he says, and, and as he's speaking it, he says, oh, if you'd see what just passed before me right then. So I'm, I'm saying it is on a higher level. I won't fully get to this all today, but I, let's go to Revelation, sorry, Ruth chapter 3. And then Naomi, her daughter-in-law said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred and whose maidens thou was. Now she's having to trust in something she never knew. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash yourself therefore 
anoint yourself, put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man till he have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down, you shall mark the place where he shall lie, and you shall go in and uncover his feet and lay down, and I will tell you what you shall do. And she said, I will do what thou sayest unto me, I will do. Now, she is having to follow all the types what do we do? <coughs> we don't take, we actually have to discard some of our thinking. But we have to follow through. You know, there's some amazing things, and, then, and my time is, is really on out this morning. But there's some amazing things. If you actually look, six days of creation, and then there's a breach and the seventh. If you look, there is six seals and then there's a breach and the seventh. Now it all begins to wind together because the prophet says, then there's six trumpets and there's a breach and there's the seventh. So what's happening in the breach? Israel is between six and seven. What's happening? The bride is between six and seven. What's happening? There's something manifesting that is not seen to the eye. It's an invisible union. It's a relationship. Oh, this message is much, much more than, than just living a little higher. It's, it's much more, more than do's and don'ts. It's about falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. It's about recognizing He's brought me into a cycle where I'm a part of the final part of this whole program. I'm going to become the field that He is going to put seed in. He's going to stand for me. And, and, and in fact... She had to stand still because his last words to her in, 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 and I won't read it all, but he says, I will do all that you require for me to do. All she had to do was rest. And I, I'm going to say it right now. Israel, God has started something that he's not going to finish. That he, and he will finish rather, but it will not stop this time. He's gathered them in. Now it's not going to come to its conclusion until the end of three and a half years. When a type of the bride's seventh seal is the bride's, or is Israel's seventh trumpet is Moses and Elijah. Because the two are correlate. They're the same thing. And he'll bring them back to one thing. And the one thing he'll bring them back to is to show them that the Messiah that you rejected was in fact your Savior. And when they do that, when they recognize that, they will every man in his heart house set apart. But before he can ever fight for them, they have to recognize it. Before we can ever appropriate faith in this day, we need to recognize, he's my Lord. I am his bride. That's not me asserting myself and giving lip service, but it's actually the result of a prayer life. It's the result of reading scriptures and, and something becoming real to me and saying, no, he promised. I'm not worthy, but he's worthy. I, I'm in a cycle now where it's not just me. Listen, that doesn't mean you have disgrace, but I'll tell you there's something real that's happening. I, 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 I'm just doing a poor job of really getting this out this morning. But I trust you see where we're at, friends. <coughs> between the sixth and seventh, Brother Bram say, between the sixth and the seventh seal, every trumpet sounds. 
So at the same time, a bride is coming to a conclusion. Israel is coming to a conclusion. At the same time, there's a manifesting of all the other trees. There's a fig tree manifesting, but there's other trees that are coming to fruition. There is, there is the evil spirits of, of, of the enemy that are manifesting. It's all coming to a head. Oh, you think, why did I end up living here with all these evil spirits? You need to just turn this whole thing around and say, I'm living in a time when there's a marriage going on. I'm living in a time where, the, where I can appropriately have faith. And I know I'm being ushered into a millennium. I'm giving you a broader picture today. But in Revelations 5, a lamb came and took a book. And he stood in the gate of the elders. In Ruth chapter 4, Boaz came and stood in the gate of the elders. And he said, I am redeeming. Now there was a nearer kinsman. I'm not getting to that today. There was a nearer kinsman. I am redeeming the field of Naomi. And he doesn't stop that. And he says, but I am also redeeming Ruth the Moabitess. And the Redeemer that's being made known in this day, He is revealing the Israelite church. He's coming into that season. But His whole desire first was to get Ruth. And I say this, He is interested in you. He's interested. He's on your side. You can come to Him. You don't have to just come and be beat down. And oh, God's just waiting to, to wag the club over me. No, He's not. He's on your side. We're on a different season. You can pray to him and say, I failed you. But Lord, I'm trusting in the season that I'm in. You are working a work. Oh, if you can receive it. Do you love him this morning? Let's have the musicians come. Maybe these things are just some seeds for our next service, but I want to take this a little further. We are being ushered in. In one place, Brother Branham would say, what would you do if I told you we are living in within three minutes of the coming of the Lord? He says, yeah, three minutes. According to his time, that would be about 35 years. He said, and he talks about this, I see him rising already. He's still on the mercy seat, but he's rising I see him going after Israel, but before Israel, there has to be a bride that's called out. And I say, oh God, before Israel can ever receive him as the son of David, they will first need to recognize him. They'll need to have faith in him. Before we can ever go into eternity, we need to recognize we are in a different time period, in a different space. We're, we're not just operating under a man anointing. This was the scripture I'll come to next time, but it's in Hebrews chapter 8. And in that day, they shall not teach one another, but rather they will say, know the Lord. I say this, if you come to this church, and, and God bless you for your faithfulness, and I, I will say, your absolute ought not to be just this church or just the pastor or just the ministers because your absolute when you're feeding 
needs to be Jesus Christ, the Word made real. I, I, I'm a man. I'm full of mistakes. I, I only have so far. We, we rely on God bringing ministers this way, that way, but He is making Himself real. And I say this, if you can receive Him, He's the one that's being lifted up. He's working in the body. Amen. Do you love Him this morning? Amen. I love Him. Amen. I, I feel like there's a song I wanted to sing this morning, and it was... Uh, the Zion song, which is actually, uh, I will bring you home. And I, I want I, this to me, I, this song is such a blessing to me. Because it was written in a time when Israel was in captivity. But he was not going to leave them there. And this was the heart of God to them. But I believe this is the heart of God to Israel still. And it's the heart of God to us. Let's stand together. Let's sing this to him. O daughters of Zion, O Abraham's son, hear the words of your father. Hear his promise of love. I will make you a Count the stars if you can. You will be a great nation. I will give you this land. And I will bring you back home. Bring you back home.
prophet and priest and king in the city will look on the one they have pierced. We will mourn for the one we have pierced. But daughter, fear daughter, or sons of Abraham, I will wash you with water, and I will offer the Lamb. Though your sins were like scarlet, they'll be whiter than song the last verse really speaking to the bride O Zion my fair one the prophet of God makes one of the most interesting statements that has ever been attributed to the second world war of persecution of the Jews great holocaust and he says it was the tender loving hand of God that brought them back to their homeland. 
Now you can look at it as atrocities and it is. But it was God fulfilling his word. You can look at what happened to Ruth. She lost her husband. She lost things. But that had to be in order that she could come into the field of Boaz. We can look at things in our lives and we can say, why did this come? Why did that come? But look at where you are right now. You're in a field of redemption. You're in a field where God is bringing forth not just a bride, but he's bringing forth life. I, I, I trust that we can this morning when we put on the message, we don't just get condemned. Oh, because we haven't done this right or we failed here and we're unworthy. No, none of us is worthy. But he has made us worthy. If we can understand what he did and that can drop into our hearts, then we'll want to live for him. Then we'll want to serve him. Even though we stumble and even though we fall, Lord, you know my heart, I love you. Oh, that's what he's desiring. If we can recognize this season that we're in, he's gathering his children. Oh, the message is not condemnation. Oh, it chastens us. It, it forms us. It's drawing character out of us. Thank God for that. But it's also the tender hand of God to us. Falling in love with Jesus. Brother John Stahl, can you come up and close in prayer for us? Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Christ, whom we adore and love and cherish. Many years ago, Lord, you called a great people, Father. It's called the Bride of Jesus Christ. We're so thankful to be part of it, Lord. And as we have heard his message this morning from Brother Ed, Lord, 
Father, it just comes by revelation who we are, Lord. Help us to have a great understanding who the bride of Jesus Christ is, Lord. For your prophet said, Lord, that once she recognizes who she is, we're out of here. Oh God, hasten the day, Lord. We see the things that are happening in Israel, Lord. And the bride Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We bow as a congregation to pray for the peace, Lord. We know you have everything under control, Lord. But Lord, this is the time and the hour we're living in, Father, where she needs our prayer, Lord. So we just hold her up before you, Lord, that you will just have thy will and way and just bring peace to whatever situation that needs to be, Lord. Bless Brother Ed, give him back his strength, Lord, and may be rejuvenated, Father. We're so thankful that you have these ministers that labor in your presence to bring the message to the bride. This business now with your presence, Father, wherever we're going, let us take you with us, Father, in our daily life, in our daily walk, and protect and watch each one of us as we commit this day, the rest of it, into your hands. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. Bless you. Amen. I don't know what's going to happen to Israel, but their hearts will literally be turned when they recognize the one that they've pierced. It's going to be a mourning and a weeping. What has this message come to do to us? It's come to change our attitude towards the atonement. We're, we're not here just to, by what we can do and just, no, I, I really want to love the Lord and appreciate Him and thank Him for where I'm at. Oh, there's all kinds of things around us, but He is our peace, isn't He? Amen. Can we sing Peace of God, maybe, just as we'll close? Peace of God, cover me, cover me.
um, are going to be with their grandpa. <laughs> grandma is here, but she's going to be with her husband. It's tomorrow you're leaving. They're going to Guatemala. They're going to be gone. Just don't be gone as long as your, grand, your, your parents came. <laughs> Sister Miriam, God bless you. Greet Brother Ovidio. Tell him glory adios. <laughs> we appreciate you. Appreciate your spirit. Amen. It's good working with you. Sister Gabby, children, may God give you a good time with your family. We're going to pray for safety on the trip and just God's blessings. Let's go. Heavenly Father, standing here with the Jordan family today, we want to thank you for what you've done for them. Lord, for their children, we see, Lord, a family coming together. We want to thank you for the time that Brother Ovidio and Sister Miriam were here. Lord, as they'll now be traveling to Guatemala just to be together with the family, we ask that you'd give them traveling mercies, that you'd make the road ahead of them smooth, and that there'd be no complications, that you would give protection and peace to them. Lord, and when they gather together, may you, O oh Lord, just be their portion, I pray. Lord, be in their fellowship, be in their natural time as a family. But Lord, may it also be a spiritual time, Lord, where it can be a blessing. Father, we commit them in your hands. We thank you for them. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I'm not going to keep you any longer. We're a little late over time. So God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord tonight. Brother Max is going to minister. So we're looking forward to that. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.